following podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and somehow New South Wales emerging from a COVID onslaught. At 8pm last night, we had 1,542 cases of community transmission. New South Wales now has a firm target and a plan for emerging from lockdown, but plenty of questions remain this morning about just how proof of vaccination will be policed and how the state and the rest of the country will manage as case numbers increase. And the top story this morning is that pupils will be starting their first full week of school this morning in England, Wales and Northern Ireland as the chief medical officers in the UK consider what to do about vaccinating teenagers. Dr Torres, thanks for joining us today. So nearly every state is now reporting cases of this new variant, the mu variant. Now it's when that number hits 70% double dose that we know the Monday after that we'll be able to have those freedoms that we outlined in the roadmap yesterday. The current advice is that only 12 to 15 year olds with health vulnerabilities should be offered the COVID jab. The government says the measures in place in England schools strike a balance between safety and reducing disruption. Kids under 12 still aren't eligible for the vaccine, so what do parents of younger kids need to know about this new strain, especially as we sadly hear about more children being hospitalized? So today we have 76.4% of our popular adult population who've had a first dose and 43.6% who are fully vaccinated. Excited to, to get everybody back into school and to get back to um, something like a normal curriculum. Hospitality, gyms and retail will reopen when the state hits 70% of adults fully vaccinated. A milestone expected to happen in mid-October. The issue here where the more people that get infected, I mean, the more children that get infected, the more children that get hospitalised, and unfortunately the more children will end up dying from this as well. Even though... And as the modelling we released indicated, we are expecting the peak number of cases to happen in the next week or so. Business leaders are optimistic, but some are worried about refusing service to unvaccinated people. And the AMA is concerned the plan risks overburdening the New South Wales health system. And uh, regrettably, we did have nine deaths to 8pm yesterday and we extend our deepest condolences to the loved ones of those families. Large parts of regional New South Wales are set to emerge from lockdown tomorrow, while regional Victoria eased restrictions overnight. Testing started in some of England's secondary schools last week. It's the main precaution in place this term. Followed the rules. Uh, we are opening up large parts of regional and rural New South Wales, but in a very restricted environment. The new variant, like Miguel said, the World Health Organization has declared it a variant of interest. The CDC has not yet, but as Dr. Fauci said, it's something they're certainly looking at as long as well as some of the other variants that are out there. The top government doctors across the UK have another decision. Should they offer the vaccine to all 12 and, uh, to 15 year olds? I really don't want to have to lock down regions again, but we have said if there are cases that pop up in any local government area, I will be shutting down those local government areas for a 14 day period. 
Hello and welcome to the ISOcast, your favourite isolation and lockdown advice podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen. Big week in the old COVID world, folks. Case numbers have gone ballistic in Sydney. Melbourne is in lockdown. Perth is hosting the AFL Grand Final in a couple of weeks, weirdly. And the MU variant is popping up in every state in America, while New South Wales is only weeks away from opening up as cases skyrocket here in Delta land. That sounds weird, wild, and like a kind of stressful time. It's because it is. Fortunately, though, through the haze and the fear and the hog wild bullshit. You fucking hog wild! Just fucking let loose! Thanks, McElroy brothers. I was able to get in touch with Christian Charison. Christian is an actor. Duh. He also has just this year cracked it. After years of hard work, he's achieved his dreams of being the lead in two professional musicals, only to have the rug pulled out from under him by the COVID outbreak, not some kind of rug puller out or a guy, if that's what you were thinking. And guys, I gotta be honest with you. This is one of my favorite episodes so far. Christian is really open and honest and funny and brilliant and personal and kind of vulnerable at points, I would even say. He picked up as soon as I called him today. So without further ado, welcome Christian Charisu. I rhymed. Nice one, PC. Get a mate. Hello. How lovely to see your face, dude. How the bloody hell are you? I know. I'm bloody good. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, hold on. on. Hold on. Hold on, folks. Hold on. Hold the bloody phone. Bloody everybody, we got, chill we out. Technical. We got everyone. Relax. <laughs> Get, off. Get off my back. Everybody's first just the world, first. The world goes to chaos, and then I can't even power technology. Yeah. Here we are. We're he's, good. We're he's going done it, now. folks. He's bloody done it. Hey, buddy. He's done it. Hey, mate. Where the fuck are you, dude? Where are I you? am currently in Melbourne, okay. St Kilda. I I got I was one of those lucky people that got out of Sydney thinking I was being lucky, and uh, <laughs> turned out I wasn't. <laughs> turned out. Turned out, like most artists, my hopes and dreams got shattered in an instant. Oh, Christian. I was, I was, I was 30, oh, jeez. I think by that point I was at 35 days nearly straight of isolation and quarantines. What? Yeah, yeah, because we, well, I was touring Wedding Singer from May. Mm. And we, uh, the last week and a half in Melbourne, we got shut down because of the lockdown. Well, it was lockdown four at that time, I think. I mean, I've lost count. We're just perpetual <laughs> lockdown, really. Like, fuck. Um, but then, um, so we then, uh, yeah, so we got shut down and then we had to, we had to lock down in Melbourne for a week. And then our producer was like, okay, if we want to make Queensland, which was, we were meant to have a two week break between Melbourne and Queensland. He was like, we've got to fly to Sydney now and isolate for an extra week. Sorry, isolate for a week and then do another week in Sydney so that we're full 14 days out of Victoria to then make us Queens to enter Queensland and do our Gold Coast season. So we did that. Bear with me. And then I meant to start Crybaby bang on the end of Gold Coast. Oh, and no. Crybaby's opening the opera house. And because um, old Gladbag uh, didn't quite indicate what was an essential service and not at the time, 
we could rehearse. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I flew into Sydney into your lockdown, no. and I was I was even looking to stay in Queensland. I was like, I don't need to be anywhere if I don't have to be because I thought anyway. So Crybaby happened. Got on the plane, got to Sydney, rehearsed two weeks of Crybaby to be told we're not opening up. It's cancelled. And I was like, great. Well, Wedding Singer's meant to go to Auckland and Melbourne doesn't have another lockdown. We're good. So I'm going to go quarantine in Melbourne. So I went and started quarantine in Melbourne only to find four days in. They closed the travel bubble. No. <laughs> and, then my, and then I was doing two weeks of quarantine for nothing. <laughs> Oh, bud, what a fucking shit show. Oh, mate. And then, yeah, and then our producer's like, yeah, you know what? It's fine. It's all, Wedding Singer was postponed. It was, that's a good thing. We we were just postponed there, but nah, Crybaby cancelled and um, I'm back, I'm back, um, you know, ruling the world one muggle job at a time. Bro, it's, it's really... (laughs) Christian, like, it's so fucking upsetting, mate. And I can only imagine how mind-blowingly mad you were when this all happened. Because this has been, like, this is some real life goal achievement for you, bud. Like, being yeah. doing two big touring musicals in the same year with lead I roles. Was, I was meant to do Wedding Singer at the, in the evenings uh, while I was rehearsing Crybaby during the during day. The day. And so that was a two-week period. And to be honest with you, I was in over my head, Patty C. I, I said yes to everything. And both of those roles are huge. I, I could just do one. And all my producers turned to me and went, we're stoked. We're stoked that this didn't work out for one of the shows. Sad about that for you. And I was like, yeah. Okay. Isn't it just like the most incredible example of when it rains it fucking pours like mate when it, it didn't pour i had i had like titanic level amount of rain thrown at me i'm i, I it was like like no sorry sorry i should say uh day after tomorrow i had that much uh, rain. yeah 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 it was great i'm not complaining i am not complaining <laughs> i'm complaining about how arrogant i was to think i could do it all at once I, I just couldn't, I could never see you, pal, being like, oh, lead role in a show at the Opera House? No, I'm fine. Thanks for coming. Thank you for offering that to me. I could never see you doing that. Only, but it was only, it was only because that I, it was just, it was pure luck-ish that uh, I had already signed on for Wedding Singer and that there was, uh, there was not, nothing already booked on straight away after Sydney, our Sydney leg. So I was going to literally be closing Wedding Singer, which would have ended my rehearsal period for Crybaby and then go straight into tech for Crybaby at the Opera wow. House. So it was really buttoned on. But, like, I do count myself very lucky. But, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's I've watched some actors uh, interview and they were like, oh, people turn around to you and say, how's that overnight success for you? And I'm like, yeah, have a look back at the last 10 years, pal. <laughs> Like, like that's, yeah. that's, 
like that ain't that ain't it. Fuck, man. <laughs> Uh, so I've been doing heaps of teaching, right? I've been teaching for Stage Milk and I've been teaching for AFTT yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those sorts of cats. And I I had a private student for a while there who was like, so um, I just want to get famous. Uh, I've just been reading about Chris Pine and, and how like he was just discovered in a bar and then put on a show and do you reckon I could just go and do that? And I was like, no, absolutely <laughs> not, sir. <laughs> I mean, you can... I'm happy to take your money, but... Um... <laughs> I'm, I, will, no, <laughs> I will absolutely take your money, but it's not going to happen, my friend. Like even, you know, he's like, could I just go to LA? This is before all the borders and everything went to shit. And he was like, could I just go to LA and just turn up and, and be discovered? And I was like, absolutely not. And it's ridiculous to think that that narrative is still pervasive, that, that people still think they can do that. Mate, um, I have been, I've been back and forth to LA from 2015 for various reasons, but the last three years have been, well, not three years, sorry, the last pre-COVID, I, I'd gone every year for the last two years and like back and forth and that ain't it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I, I had some, I had an odd circumstance and got very lucky for one situation, but that was, that was only because that was, that was it was just chance like that may never happen again. And like you've, I mean, the conversation around people going, I just want to get famous or that they think it'll just happen. It's like, you're either the right fit at the right time or you, or you're super talented and you do your dues. Like Chris Pine still did his time. Yeah. When they say Harrison, Harrison Ford was a, uh, just a tradie before he did um, Star Wars or Indiana Jones. He was yeah. like, yeah, dude was also an, actor huh. he like he was auditioning he was just so happened to be fixing some shit in an office one day you know because <laughs> he was trying to make a few bucks like the rest of us you know yeah. he's trying to keep he his head above the water. either keep a roof over his head or get noticed that he was attractive trainee like <laughs> i mean you see early harrison ford too i recently rewatched um indiana jones first indiana jones and a young harrison ford is a hands-down knockout babe he is a beautiful man Mate, I he can get it. He can get, he can it. get it. from me, and you know that man fucks. Like, <laughs> Whoa, I was just gonna say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? Because I'm looking at the rest of you guys. This is the guy in the house doing all the fucking. Am I right? You know I'm right. This guy fucks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. that has a photo of them. With a cigarette top off and 80s glasses on oh, yeah. in the sun on set, you know, oh, they yeah. fuck. They fuck, baby. 100%. <laughs> that is that is absolutely true. Um, Christian, my dude, I would love just a quick... So so you're in Melbourne and are you staying yes. back with the parentals and how is, is that life been? I, I was with my parents. I, uh, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, my mental health got pretty bad. Uh during quarantine, I had a bit more personal stuff come up in the last, uh, in that time as well, mm. which was a big life change as well. And, I'm really sorry, uh, man, that sucks. That's okay. You know what though? Like it's, it's just, that's just the timing. And like, I think yeah. it was so, yeah, I was at my parents. Um, my mental health was bad. And I think it's that, you know, we, when we run out of things to do in this COVID land and ways to, fill our time like we we can't bake any more bread because we've turned into bread and uh, <laughs> we've become bread we've eaten so we've, much am, sourdough that you are sourdough yeah i am christian for cut to you that's my name 
<laughs> I always wondered if there was a way to make your name more Mediterranean, and uh, I'm pleased yeah. to see you did it. Besides adding some uh, garlic sauce on it, absolutely not. <laughs> That's it. I've done. <laughs> but um, but to answer your question, I wasn't folks. Um, but I've now moved into my own place in St Kilda because I just couldn't. I couldn't be in the negative headspace. A around my parents, mm. not a negative headspace. I was depressed yeah. uh, and um, pretty beaten down. Um, I turned a lot of my sadness and loneliness and it's really hard i think this time around a lot of people aren't checking in on each other as much as we can because we're all not coping um look some people have gotten better like i found some people are thriving because they're like well i'm used to it now and 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 the rest and some of us were like fuck that's correct so i yeah i I got depressed and i didn't want to when I'm when I'm in a negative headspace, I'm quite reactive. Especially, you know, when you're pa- anyone's reactive around their parents. Yeah, oh, completely. You know, all they have to do is like that chakra master and press that button that makes you think you're 14 again, and you're like, "Mom, get out of my room!" Um, so yeah, that yeah. I, I moved out. I moved, I've been here for about two weeks, and it was the best thing I did. I'm like right across from the beach, and I got a score of a place for furnished and. Uh, yeah, so that, that sounds was great, dude. That sounds like a yeah. really good move for you. I love that for you. I think that if I was in lockdown with my dad, I would struggle so fucking hard. I think that would be really challenging. My old man's a great guy. He's a legend of a bloke, but I just don't know that I could be around him no, in that sort of think, intensity. No, I think it's. I think it's a. I mean, I'm nearly. I'm 30 next year, but um, I just. I've been out of home since I was 17 and I love them to death. And, but like more than a novelty trip in terms of like quantity of time together, I, I can't do it. <laughs> my, my old man came out of the bathroom the other day and went, listen, buddy, I don't know how you live, but we put the toilet seat down in this house. And I went, I haven't been in that toilet all day, buddy. And he, he had to find a way to get at me. And then you know what the ironic part is? My mother went, oh, sorry, that was me. She was cleaning it. My mother doesn't stand up to clean it. <laughs> Still, it's like, Dad, man, like, Get what on the back, I... man. Come on, bud. Shit. Do me a favor. I, I... Do me a favor. Many years ago, Christian, I went on the uh, Trans Siberian Railway um, with my old man. And that's 12 days on a train, right? From um, Beijing right through to St. Petersburg. That'd be full bunking, right? It it was full bunking, my dude. Yeah. And fortunately, like I was there with my sister and one of my cousins and uh, my sister's partner at the time. So we had two rooms, but there was eight people. And we're right next door to each other for, you know, 24 hours a day for seven days a week on a train staffed by by Russians, right? And it was so fucking punchy, you know? And you just, I just wouldn't want to put myself back in that space again. And I I totally, I totally dig that. I also think for you, big man, being able to like get outside when you've got your hour of exercise and being able to get down to some water would be so good for your brain. Well, that's that's the thing. Like what Sydney ciders, because I last year I was back and forth between Melbourne and Sydney. Ironically, between the first in the first 
pretty much the, up until Melbourne went into that second lockdown. And um, so I was seeing a lot of my parents, but uh, what people aren't used to in Sydney until recently is the five kilometer rule. Mm. And if you've got a shit 5K. It's a bad time. It's a bad time. If you walk around and there's nothing but kebab stores for your takeaways, which is pretty much my parents' place, which is not, and don't get me wrong, I love kebab and Lebanese food and Middle Eastern Obviously. food, anything and such. Obviously. But when it's fast food level of it, yeah. if that's all you've got, I mean, you'd have to be an insane person not to love a HSP. I mean, come on. I mean, do you have eyes in your head and a nose in the center of your face? Do you have a mouth Unless hole? you're a vegan, I get it. Unless you're vegetarian, sure. vegan, I get it. Ethics, but even then. <laughs> <laughs> Come around, people. Get amongst it. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Uh, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's it, it was not a it was not a great five k at my folks. So mm. and like they're fine because they're you know they're their age and they 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 do what they've got to do. And my dad could actually go into work because he works in construction, um, runs a construction business. Um, but I mean, amongst the many other things he does. But um, yeah, so it was a, it's a great move. I think I think yeah, you get too old, and especially these lockdowns. That's that's what's been really interesting to see the lockdowns change in Sydney. And you know, we we are, our circle of friends anyway are probably very, um, uh, uh, you know, they're very uh, can't find the words. Um, we're just considerate, you know, and we will obey the rules and whatnot. Did it. That's the one. Fucking I nailed say. it, Christian. I believe in yeah. you. You did it. <laughs> Proud. <laughs> All right, everybody. Right. That's it. That's a wrap, folks. That's a wrap. Everybody go home. That's it. Celebrate. Fucking celebrate yourselves, babies. Um, Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think so. And like, there's a different, yeah. We're very lucky to, I think I've been made really aware of how much of a lucky motherfucker I am. Um, Even to live where I live, to live with the people I live with and to have the living and financial situation that I have. I'm incredibly lucky human. Um, yeah, and that's really been something that's been ringing around in my brain. My, my housemate, um, Tom, who's a legend is paramedic. Um, and he's paramedic out West mm-hmm. and like, mate, you know, he's been working so mind blowingly fucking hard. I'm going to get him on the show at some point. Um, but hearing yeah. his stories too, of how tough people are doing it out West and, and what the reality of that's like for first responders is really, I mean, it's it's shifted my it's shifted my perspective a lot. I think in terms of how on first responders, on first responders, yeah. Oh man, I mean, it's it's hard to describe how fucking hectic he's, how hard it is he's he's working. Like he's, um, he's pulling like he's leaving the house for a night shift at about six p.m. and he's getting home around midday the next day. Um, They're like the trade. They're like the tradies of the medical world if it was a constant shift work situation yeah or minors i would almost say they're probably minors on in terms of medical because they they do the heavy lifting it's very hands-on it's not just every their, their job isn't just centralized into a hospital or a, a clinic yeah they're house to house call to call diverse problems and they got to just shift and pivot and i'd i say that yeah so i can only imagine especially i mean the Fuck. amount of calls they would get at the moment that would be 
you sit there and you're going, really? <laughs> this? Yeah. I have probably a guy having a heart attack that should have been seen by us right now. I've seen five COVID patients and you've got a headache, pal. Like, do me a favor. Take two Panadol. See me in the morning, you know? Get out of my life. Get out <laughs> just, of my life. You know, what? you know what? You didn't get the vax, my good sir. You can just take a Panadol and do a Google search like the others. <laughs> Christian, this brings me to my uh, first major segment of the show, pal, which is Existential Dread. Existential Dread. Let's do it. On a scale from one to ten, Christian, with one being happy-go-lucky, skipping through the daisies, um, not a problem in the world, to ten being full quivering mass on the floor foaming from the mouth, how's your existential dread? Today? Yeah, today. We're talking today? Yeah. Okay. Uh, today, I would say, you know what? I would say I'm about a three. Pretty fucking great, man. Yeah. Love I a mean, three. If you'd come back to me last week, probably would have said a seven. <laughs> it's a real roller coaster, huh? It's a real it's roller coaster. I am, I, am I talking about <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, yeah. Today, today it's about a three. Today it's a three. And it's been a three, I'd say for the last three days, ironically. Um, hey, but that's, look, symmetry. Love that. Powerful. Yeah, so I, what's yeah, making I'm you a three put, today, Christian? What's been the, some of the features that have been, uh, pushing you towards a three, big You know, I've been saying this to some people. I think it feels like everyone's getting antsy because we know that there's an end insight or end ish insight. Mm. So, you know, like, it's like when you're running the last, you, 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 you're doing your workout and the last five minutes of your workout feels like it goes for 50 minutes, yeah. you know, it's that vibe. And we're like, yes. Like, so we go, if, the, if they turned to us and said, we're 120 days away from, from freedom, that would still feel the same as if they said to us, we're 15 days away from freedom. Interesting. And so I think that like, that's just my yeah. perspective on how, how we, we feel like we're now a lot worse because we know that there's something coming, but then it'll shift towards the end. But anyway, in terms of me today, I just had a bit of a awakening the other day about my own personal anxieties and I've been going to therapy. Oh, great, um, dude. How's therapy been? Yeah. I, I've been going to therapy for years, but like I took a break for a number of years and then I picked it up again this year and because I really needed it. And uh, it's been great. It's just so great to have. And so it, in that process has allowed me to grab more tangible understanding of why I've got existential dread oh, <laughs> you know christian what and, a joy yeah so it's been like and not saying that that's completely healed or anything like that but as in i think we're all like to to, to put it into uh, uh, what we most of us are probably feeling is that lack of control and mm. um or forward momentum there is only so much that getting things done in your day in, in a specific isolated setting can make you feel accomplished and you're moving forward. Unless, you know, you're lucky enough that you have a job that has growth in that capacity, For like, sure. you know, a desk job or like what I'm doing with the app at the mm. moment. Um, but that gives you a sense of fulfillment and you can still feel moving forward. But, you know, I, I got perspective and it's really helped. I don't know. How, like, and I won't, I won't lie. I don't know how long that will last. If it may keep lasting, it may not. I don't yeah. know, but, that's why I'm a three. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I've been getting a few auditions come through, oh, which is cool. really nice. Um, but that's, you know, that's. 
I mean, it's parsley, but it's really lovely parsley. It's it's finely chopped parsley, but it's great you finely chopped parsley. Do you not feel that auditions would be more like coriander? Some people love it. Some people mm. hate it. Mm. Some people it tastes in their mouth. Some people it tastes like soap. Exactly. I think it's exactly like that, Christian. I think I think auditions are a, are a definite. They're a condiment, you know. And this has been such an important <laughs> shift in my thinking in my life, right? Because I used to think <laughs> of auditions as um, as polak paneer, you know. I used to think of them as the most significant part of my takeaway meal. You know, I used to think of them as chicken fucking korma. And that if I didn't receive them, then I didn't have a meal, right? Then I was no. fucked. And and my psychologist, who I'm just going to 100% plug, uh, David Marischel, if you're in Sydney, you need a psych, go and see him. He's the guy. Um, David said to me, he was like, the issue that you're having, Patty, is that you're thinking of this as an as outcomes-based success, that if you get this audition and you book this thing, then you are successful. And he means that what the converse of that is, is that you're constantly living in failure, that when you're not getting in an audition or you don't book a gig, then you failed and you're having to f- constantly live in failure. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm-hmm. so my question to you is, what do you actually care about when it comes to this thing that you do, this acting shenanigans? And I was like, well... I fucking love telling stories. Like I love spinning a yarn. That's like my whole thing. I love entertaining people and I love telling stories. And he was like, great. What else? I was like, I love collaborating with people. I love like working with another human and figuring something out. And I love the discoveries that come out of that. And he's like, okay, one more. He's like, I was like, I I love the process. I love like discovering stuff on paper and bringing that to life. And he was like, so if you did all those things, could it be that, when you got to the audition, you already felt successful by embracing that stuff. And I was like, absolutely. And he goes, and then to add to your analogy, the an audition would become mango chutney. It would become... <laughs> and Just not like It gives it that little... Mm-mm-mm. It gives it a little something. Like nobody's yeah. denying that you sprinkle but coriander... But you're not sitting there hoping that a whole jar of mango chutney is going down well as a main meal. Correcto. Well done. Absolutely well, correcto. Yeah, you're welcome. This. Christian, you can have it. You can steal it. And I think it's so applicable, right? I think so often we get fucking hung up on what we're going to do when we get the thing, you know, yeah. like when we achieve the side quest, like when we're going to, when we get that, then we'll finally be happy. Um, yeah. And what if what if that's not the fucking case? What if you achieve the thing and you still feel like dog shit? Um, hey, mate, I, I that was the biggest lesson I learned. You know, on on being one of the luckiest people to be performing this year, it was in the capacity that I have. I'd never had a lead role in that like that ever, and to to and to have you know. I always say it's so interesting when you start to get paid to do your job. A lot of us are not used to that. Mm. And so there is a definite shift in you are a businessman as or a business person rather um, uh, in that sense. And so there is that responsibility. And then you've got that job. It, it, it really, it doesn't, sometimes your problems don't get better. And that is, and, and that is because of either your perspective on, elements that when it comes, when it comes together, uh, it overwhelms you. So like, I, I really love, I really love the role that I'm playing in wedding singer, but it was, it's a huge role. I had, I've, it was, it was, uh, it, it was. Did you have to learn guitar? 
Did you already know? I guitar? had to. I had to get better at guitar, and <laughs> at the start, before the audition process, I actually uh, uh, tore this tendon, tore this tendon, and then got tendonitis through my finger. I fell on my hand at a, at a waterfall over summer, oh, and so I couldn't. So I had to like get my guitarist friend to show me uh, like how to do alternative chords with a capo and make it look like I could play it confidently. Um, <laughs> Got there, got there. Ask some of the cast. It's a very funny time when I play a bung chord on stage. It's like, I want to make you bung whenever you bung. It's like, oh boy. Hope the listeners for the loud, loud noise that that was. Um, but um, yeah, anyway, so what I'm saying is that like you can get the job still and it can still, and, and it cannot yield to your happiness. I mean, we all hear this from, you know, Bob Downey Jr. or, you know, uh, Charlize Theron and, and things like that. You know, whoever it is on that spectrum of celebrity, they've all said at one point, I thought getting the job would mean that I, all that anxiety would go away and it doesn't. So it, it is about your perspective. It, it really, you know, I, I'm a nervous auditioner. Like I have a lot of nervous energy. Except film and TV, no, I've really psychologically shifted that um but theater stuff really scares me and singing singing is a psychosomatic response for me so it's um, which is wild like because you've got such a beautiful set of pipes they're just such an outrageous you. glorious set of pipes i mean you could just <laughs> wheel them out in most situations you could put them on top of a bloody a, a nice little a trolley and wheel them out into nearly any situation and people would be grateful to see them i think your pipes christian are like a box full of puppies you know everyone every time you crack them out people are going to look at it and be like oh my god Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, if you, don't have a, if you don't have a Patrick Cullen in your life to <laughs> you up like that, you are missing out. Stalk him from this podcast and please, dear Lord, find him and get him in your life. I'll talk Thank you up. You. I'll do it. I will come to your house Thank and you. I'll talk you up, whoever you are. Mate, oh, just, you, you should start monetizing that. Absolute Patty C. Hype Ups. And we should monetize this. Let's yeah, do. let's make it an app. Let's do it. No, like, like I have, like, that's the thing though, right? Like, yeah. It can you can execute something and outwardly it can be perceived as really good or not and and you can get the job still mm. but i can still go through my experience internally of what that is for me whether yeah. that's the audition's really hard whether even getting the you think getting the job after the nervous audition means that you'll stop being nervous or stop thinking negatively on it and that's very it's a very tricky path i mean we're not talking we're not changing the we're not uh, inventing the wheel here on, on ideology I mean, every every acting teacher at the moment or coach sits there and tells you it's like the audition isn't everything and your psychological approach to it is is what really matters and we're like yeah mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know it's wild but, isn't it it's such a ridiculous way to live your life you know, like I've been, I've been in this really lucky situation to be training all these young actors now, Christian, mm. and they're all like these 19 and 20 and 20, early 20 year old cats. And they're all these wide eyed, excitable, hardworking humans. And, and I have been, I'm really blessed to be in this position to be able to tell them all the stuff that I wish somebody had fucking told me and to be able to try and and point them in the direction that until you get control or until you are able to work with your own mind and your own emotional state and your own mental health there is no way you can do fucking anything like until no, you I get 
and yeah. change what's going on in here and in here to be able to support the stories that you want to tell. Patrick Cohen just uh, pointed to his head and his heart just for the here Thank and you. here part. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you, Christian. Um, <laughs> until you can do that, you got Buckley's a fuck. I, I, um, I spent a lot more time out of acting school trying to figure out what was stopping me from I'd thrown the, I think most of us when we go through acting school, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're trying to learn something, a process, and it becomes really intellectual and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, I've thrown that special thing out that made my thing me. Yeah. A lot of us have done that. And so I think a lot of people, but a lot of people also come in with too many walls and blocks and you can't, our job is to live someone else's life in that moment um, as authentically as possible. And you can't do that if you can't be authentic with yourself if you can't feel safe to be authentic with your the most vulnerable parts of you and in any capacity vulnerable being that there is a full transparency like you the, the 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 lines of empathy between your you and your character and their experience are unstopped yeah. and if you stop if you if you've got to hang up about intimacy sexual romantic or not if you've got a block about that i don't think you're going to be able to play those scenes or you're, you're a good you're a good bullshit artist because hats off to you for that. Or if you have never been angry in your life because you know, say you had a you saw your dad get really angry once and a situation like that stops you from being angry, but you can't play angry roles. They 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 coincided. They coincided, and I think it's not about um, that's there is a fine line between you know when they said I had an acting teacher say you know acting isn't therapy, and I was like I think I fundamentally disagree at the same time because <laughs> no, because if you're going to live somebody else's like I learn something from every character I play mm. and that is because like you have to play somebody else's life and you and if that doesn't make you reflect yeah. and if you're not if you can't safely reflect then you've got to do some work on you just you best thing an actor can do go to therapy folks go to therapy babies we can't recommend it enough. It's ISOCAST. You want to be famous? You definitely need to go to therapy. Go to therapy right now. Book a session. <laughs> um, mate, I think personally my existential dread has been pretty good this week. I think I'm in a similar spot to you, three or four. It got a bit heightened earlier in the week, I will say. Um, I probably more towards a six. Well, yeah, I'm feeling better now. Okay. Things that's been pumping my tires, my existential dread tires, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, is the fact that we're going to re-fucking-open and this is going to get real bad. Like, we're going to open back up at 70%. That's happening in five weeks. Um, and I think shit's going to f- pop the fuck off um, in Sydney, frankly. Like, I think it's going to get yeah, I, real I, bad. And I'm nervous yeah, about Yeah, I've, I've put my anxiety around that. Like, you're not alone. You're not alone. And, I mean, uh, what, are you, what would you say is... In, in your, okay, have you dissected the irrational part of your brain around that and now you sort of know like rationally what's causing you to feel that panic or that stress? Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I think so. I think I've got more at peace with it because there's literally nothing I can do about it. And the good news is that I'm vaccinated and my girlfriend's vaccinated and my housemate's vaccinated. We're all Pfizer to the nines. Like I'm as protected as I possibly can be. And we're yep. going to be as smart as we possibly can be. And that means that my risk of getting it or or passing it to anybody that I know is pretty low. 
but I'm nervous about it because I feel real empathy for people who aren't as lucky as me who are going to get fucked up and that like yeah that blows you know like that's it, it just feels honestly mate it just feels irresponsible and um it feels irresponsible for, for like i know i know exactly what you're saying i thought about this that there are still going to be a large number of people who aren't fully vaxxed and it's not even like as in for me it's okay there is There are people who aren't, who are probably on the fence and not vaxxed, or there are a vast number of people in that 30% that will, when you guys first open up, it might, and again, I'm not totally informed and I, I don't care about if it seems political to talk about this stuff, but uh, there are, there, there was more that could be done for, especially these communities, like coming from, uh, you know, I've got a Greek back, uh, my dad's Greek and my, my, and, and my mom's Mauritian and my grandmother barely speaks English. Like she sort of understands it, but she won't get the jab. But mm. what were the governments doing to go get doctors that speak Greek, doctors that go, that speak um, Lebanese or Arabic or any of the, any of those marginalized communities, any of those communities that where, where, where those people were popular, uh, uh, real highly populated in those, in those suburbs. And mm. they were, they lack the, under, the, the actual understanding because there is just mis, sort of misinformation and a lot of echo chamber going on. And those are the people that I am concerned about because those people, it's probably a lot of people who want to, but can't or don't understand or blah, blah, blah. And they're screwed now and 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 even the people that aren't going to be fully jabbed but there and it's as long as we, as long as the people who are fully vaxxed and get the have the privilege and this is where we will cycle back to the conversations from last year on privilege in all capacities if you have the privilege to be free-ish and have those liberties uh restored back to you if you keep doing the right thing um, I think that is how the best, your best action for helping other people, because that's where we're going to get complacent. We're going to get complacent because nobody's going to wear a mask anymore. No one's going to, uh, you know, we, I listened to a podcast the other day that said the viral load when you're vaxxed and the viral load when you're unvaxxed is the same. Hmm. However, how, how long that lasts in your body is not as long when you're, when you're uh, vaccinated. When vaccinated which is fine but just do your part i think if you do your part that's how you're helping everybody else but we really cannot keep worrying about when you know like the government had the choice to do the right thing people have had a lot of time to uh do the right thing uh at this point and yes i understand it's reactionary and it's easy to say that in in, in my position but i think there is anyone that could have and has been uh, should have been vaxxed by now could have done something about it a lot quicker. Um, so get out there uh, and bloody pull the trigger, folks. If you pull, it. pull it, pull it. Get out there, bloody rip it, rip off the bandaid, and whack a needle in your arm. But we've still got to do. We've still got to do our part. <laughs> I think we're. I think we're months away from doing that. But I hear your dread, and I. I fear the same thing. I'm like, I don't even know what this looks like. Yeah. Uh, people, who? How do I know if you're sick or not? Fill ah! me ah! out. Um, big man, what about um, what have you been doing, Christian? What have you been reading, watching, doing in order to keep your existential dread down? What have you been doing to find some joy in this lockdown life? Let me let me show you something. One he sec. is One getting sec. away from his desk. He's moved into another room. He's excitedly running over a bed, and he's back. He's back with vigor and excitement and joy in his so heart. Last year, last year I learned jewelry making. What? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So I made that bad boy. How good is that? That's a great so little ring. So it's a signet. It's a rectangular. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's an octagon ring. Damn. Signet ring. Damn. Um, to all the audiences, uh, I would say that I did this single-handedly, but I had a teacher with me by my side. So there we are. Um, but I learned jewelry making last year. And so I, that was the, that's my party trick from COVID times. I went and learned jewelry making when, you know, they sort of started opening us up again. And I was like one of three people in class cause that's all the capacity they could have. So I learned that and that's a little cheap, sneaky trick. Oh, I've forgotten cool, half man. the steps I'm trying to bring this back. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was that like dude the experience of jewelry making how did you find it um it was so interesting because i think i've my creative process has turned into a job and then i found it i wanted another career because i was doing laboring for a couple of years there as well mm. so i loved and honestly i really do love laboring it's a really weird thing i think there's <laughs> such a sense of from using your hands yeah, um, and being able to work at the end of the day and see a wall and be like, I fucking built that. Like, I actually did something today. Um, oh, dude, like I once, because it was working for my dad and he turned to me and he goes, hey, there's a concreter coming to do this little slab because they're going to put the fire uh, services through here. Can you do the form work to make this concrete? And I went, what? I've never <laughs> done that. And he's like, you'll be right. And I went, yep, cool. So I made it. The slab's still there. Can't promise it's going to last nice. long. And it's nice. such a classic dad moment, isn't it? Like, yeah, nah, you'll be right, mate. Take those bricks, build that form, work off your pop. All right, yeah. there's smoke Owen 20. <laughs> well, hey, here's all the instructions for the, the barbecue for the, the barbecue instructions burnt up. Um, but here's the barbecue pieces. Figure it out. Uh, okay. Well, all right. All right. It looks like yeah. my barbecue builder. Anyway, anyway um, so I just got a fulfillment from learning how to do jewelry making. And it was so, it was frustrating because you want it to be perfect, but mm. it doesn't go that way. And then it was really meditative. There's, uh, it's a bit like you carve it from wax. So you do wax oh. casting. This was actually a mold from wax. And then they take that mold and then they spin it in a like molten silver into, in, and, and then that, wax melts away and the, the the cast that they made around it turns into the ring and then you do a little bit of metal work to harden it up and then polish it and yeah and it was a very cool process that sounds like magic to me that sounds like bona fide <laughs> incantations and arcana to me christian i'm not a doctor it was it was, <laughs> it was i i am obsessed with forged in fire the, oh that yeah TV. i've seen that we are builders we are creators. Throughout history, man has bent the elements to his will. And what better test of will than a bladesmith's forge and the making of a master blade? It's dope. I mean, these people are like blacksmiths. I mean, they're certified freaks and weirdos. It's like I have a, I have a black, I have a, I have a blacksmith and forge in my house. I've been making knives for thirty years. So, who do you make knives for? Just me. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> this is a warhammer I made at home. I keep it for oh, protection. Yeah. It's like. Uh, okay. The biggest nerdy grins that these guys make when they're like warhammers or their axes cut through like their wives' litter of milk is the funniest thing you've ever seen. Because it's that little kid that goes, 
I just cut myself some milk with a knife I made. <laughs> In a way, it's wonderfully juvenile, that show, but it's simultaneously incredibly impressive. It's like, it's I mean, this beautiful balance. They're sitting there going like, I used um, 2040 and I've got this, uh, you know, they're talking about the, all the metal names and you're like, how did you just turn a block of metal into a shining saber? My yeah. good sir, that is World of Warcraft level shit and I want to know how <laughs> It's Mystical Arcana, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Mr. Arcana, here we go. Son Is that imbued three dexterity plus? Let's I'm go. down. <laughs> uh, great. Forged in fire, you're building jewellery. I'm feeling a Building jewellery, which I'm just, I've, it's a small by the wayside. And then what else have I done? I've been uh, reading a series of books uh, called The Assassin's Apprentice, which Ooh. is Robin Hobb, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Robin Hobb's a brilliant writer. Um, I've finished the first three books and then I'm on to this called Ship of Magic, which is the same world, but it's set in pirate ships essentially. And it's sick. Great. It's great. It's just a good time. Try to get into some good habits. I drink more coffee than ever. Oh. How good's anxiety? It's so great. <laughs> I once um, had a mate describe Robin Hobb's writing as sword porn, that it was the most just like the most uh, sexual and fucking beautiful descriptions of swords and fighting and and combat that he's ever come across yeah it's interesting because there's not a lot of like in those they might they must be talking about the later books because the there's not a lot of fighting in in there but yeah, right. this amazing ability to like put in put in she'll be described you know they, they go to this um kingdom in the mountains in this one book i remember it because it just blew my mind and they go to this kingdom she's describing it and it's in, an incredible description i'm like oh my god that's she doesn't over detail, but she does it right. Anyway, talking, talking, you sort of get a little bit bored in that chapter, but she's dropped, um, you know, something in there saying, oh, they gave us honey cakes as we entered the kingdom and blah, blah, blah. And then the character goes off with the princess and she, uh, um, he tries a herb from her garden and then he gets sick not long after that. And he's been poisoned. And you sit there and you're going, he shouldn't have had that herb in the garden, but it was the honey cakes that she dropped in the middle of the description. At the start of and little things like that where you're sitting there going that's genius and yeah, right. that loops them and, and she does like roller coaster in the sense of like it becomes quite hypnotizing and then she built in the first three books this character even when they won they lost horribly like that even winning in a short win they lost everything after that like so it was just very refreshing different characters and these were books in the 90s apparently amazing Amazing, Love it. dude. Recommend Robin Hobbs writing The Assassin's Apprentice. Let's go. Everybody. Sign it up. Print it, ladies and gents. Get Sign in up. there. Print it. Print I love it. that. That's, that's what I've been doing. Video games. I've got to be bored with video games. But um, what were you playing, Christian? Yeah. That rocked you. Did you anything rocky? The Last of Us. Dude. I know you wish things were different. I wish things were different. Ellie. Please stop. I'm leaving tomorrow. To do this smart, we'd be leaving Jackson vulnerable. So they just get to get away with this? The Last of Us 2 was just a glorious, glorious us? zombie apocalypse game. I mean, ironically played it during the zombie apocalypse. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're all sitting there. They're all sitting there doing survival of the fittest stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, we are a hot skip and a jump away from Delta Badger running through this bloody place, aren't we? Aren't we everybody? <laughs> There was a period of time there in COVID last year where there was like plagues of locusts in Africa and there I was sitting there being like, I mean, 
I'm really riding, waiting for a rider on a pale horse here. Like this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this does not look good. No, I mean, but let me let me ask you this. Sure. Is there a part of you mm. that thinks? that was secretly hoping it would go to a zombie apocalypse so that your plan could go to go to action? I mean, you spend all this time as a young, straight, white male um, making these zombie apocalypse survival plans, and, and they just don't get put into action. I actually read the zombie survival guide. So uh, of course you did. I mean, why wouldn't you? It should be. Of course you did. You're a, you're a, you're a privileged white male who had the time to put, plan for that. Exactly. You know, of course. They should hand it out to us well, in high school. So they pretty much do. <laughs> Well, it's like, it's nerd central, isn't it? But I completely agree, Christian. I have thought about it an alarming amount. I've thought about it too much, <laughs> for sure. I've definitely put too much time and effort to thinking about it. And if I thought half as much about other shit and, and put in as much, like, action and thought and effort into other stuff as I have to thinking about what I'd do in the zombie apocalypse, I don't know. I probably could have cured cancer by now or, uh, you know, you made know a space what? elevator. You're one of those people that if went that I I that would say I could have cured cancer by now, and my brain went, yeah, he would have. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the difference between you and my year ten science teacher, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. You could have just been the guy that had the great idea that funded the cancer research. That's I'm not exactly saying that right. you have to do the science. Leave yeah. the science to the people that's exactly right? right you get good people around you i've always been a proponent of that I've so always- just so everyone's aware patrick cullen's actually looking for cancer researchers right now hey yeah let's <laughs> let's sort it out you know i feel i feel like sure covid you know it's only been around for a pretty short time we're we're all just figuring it out we've done really well in a short period of time but i really feel like we should just sort out this cancer thing i feel like we should <laughs> look, lock I know it down. COVID, look i know we can't go anywhere but while we're keeping this shit locked down should we be Should we? unlocking the cure for cancer? Let's just do it. You know, I know there's been people we've have been, been waiting around forever. Been waiting around a lot. Let's you know, just the roof get is done. on Pfizer. Let's go. <laughs> Christian, we're about at the end of our time with you, you beautiful, no delightful worries. man. Is there anything else you wanted to run? Oh, we should talk about your app really quickly. Dude, what's the deal oh, with yeah. your fucking app? What? Yeah. So uh, my uh, high school friend, Matt and I, We've started an app and it's called Gimme, G-I-M-M-E, and it's available in Sydney and it's available in Melbourne. And it's a on-demand personal shopper. So that means that you can hire a driver to shop and deliver anything from anywhere within two hours. And yeah. And because we were really frustrated at the, how fast you, like how fast we could get our online shopping that even you know, it might have been Kmart and it's down the road, but we bought it online and it still takes five days or it still takes, you know, I would love that pair of shoes, but it won't come for two to three more days. That's even express post. And you pay, you, everyone's willing to pay up to, geez, bucks, I mean, 30 bucks. Well, Rebel, Rebel Sport was trying to charge me $100 to get a $150 set of weights delivered to my house. Wow. Because Jeez. of the loading for how heavy that was, and I was like, they might need a truck and whatever, blah blah blah. But I sat there and went, that was for that was just for standard delivery. Damn. So Matt and I, uh, Matt had a contact, uh, a developer, software developer, Lap, who's our other partner, and uh, a cheeky little angel investor was involved, and we got this app built, and it's 
fully functioning and we've got like 1500 drivers on board what? and we've got yeah and we've we're, we're since we've started pr in the last week we've got that we've got 700 and something customer downloads we're still got to push people over the line it's hard at the moment because uh shops are closed and what's like so people yeah. i think their psychology isn't leaning towards oh i don't need somebody to go shopping and everyone needs an excuse to get out of the house however good signs and it's all moving very much forward and it's i mean i've used it a bunch of times i had to pack up my stuff in sydney so i needed some stuff from bunnings but i was bubbling for crybaby so i couldn't really go anywhere so i got a driver to go and get my boxes and my tape and all these things and they just went into bunnings got it and came out things That's like that brilliant christian yeah like it just literally it's the it is the app for when you can put a price on your time you know yeah you you, you know you you would pay $20 for something like, you know, for somebody to go and do those things you, you, to save you time. Not that I was can. in this situation, but let's say a hypothetical version of me was in a situation, Christian, where their girlfriend's birthday was getting real close, real close, Christian. Like it was, it was coming down to the wire, some might say. And, <laughs> and <laughs> this hypothetical version of me needed a present, yeah. needed a present stat. Now, in this situation, fortunately, this hypothetical version of me was able to sort this out through sheer nous, calling around and making a few things happen. But if I had some sucker who was able to go, I mean, by some sucker, I mean some delightful... By sucker, you mean a guy who's making money off you? That's yes. right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a contractor who was able to go out there, grab the things I required, bring them back, get them gift wrapped so I didn't have to do it because obviously anything gift wrapped by me looks like it's been gift wrapped by a child. Um, and a child who's like, you know, is is struggling and needs assistance from I a real adult. Using newspaper to wrap your gifts. Newspaper is still not appropriate for birthday wrapping. It's not. It's not, Christian. And I objectively know that, but it's hard to put it into reality. Anyway, um, that would have been a really handy service for me. Awesome, dude. So people can just go into their app stores and find it. Yep, you can go to any app store um, on Google and uh, Android. We've got an Android and Apple. And yeah, you can download it. And we've got a bunch of free promo codes. So you just give us a follow on gimme.aus on Instagram and you can see promo codes up on there. Otherwise, we've sent push notifications and we've got free delivery at the moment. Um, and you, we, you can actually authorize drivers in app to do your click and collect. Ah, oh, sick. Really so if you don't, if you're, you know, talking about considerate group of people, if you're, if you're somebody who is considerate and don't want to, don't want to overexpose yourself or can't, then um, get a driver to head out. They're COVID safe. We make sure that as well, which is great. And yeah, so it's keeping me busy. Um, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never ran a business, but here I am. <laughs> Christian, I think you're doing a fucking great job, mate. Well done, buddy. What a great couple of lockdown projects for you. Any final thoughts yeah. from you, my dude, before I let you go? Um, just, just for everyone and yourself included to be kind to yourself. You know, you had the other day, you were up and down and you had that existential dread. Let it happen. The more you, uh, the more you tell yourself you shouldn't be having these thoughts and the more you should be resisting it, it, it builds more anxiety and, and tension. Let it go, let it flow through, and then find some perspective. That's all I can say. Thanks so much, Christian. So love it to see your face, man. So love it to so speak to you. you. I miss you, brother. I'd really love to see you when we're ever allowed to see each other in person ever again, if that ever happens. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open mouth kiss you when I see you, Patty. Yes. You worry. Yes. Finally. With, with several beers. Okay. With great. several. Beers. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I'm yeah. down for all of that. Thanks so much, dude. I'll see you real love soon. You, dude.
Say it, big man. Big thanks to Christian Charisu for joining us on the show. Such a wonderful bloke, and I loved this chat. I hope you did too. Make sure you check out his app, Gimme, at www.gimmebuddyalloneword.com. Help a mate out if you can, folks, and get that stuff that you need. Credits today. Our theme music was These Days by Powderfinger 1999 Warner Music. Still a banger in case you forgot. News clips today were from Channel 7, Channel 9, ABC Australia, BBC and MSNBC, all dated from 10th of September 2021. We had clips from Silicon Valley, HBO 2014, Forged in Fire, History Channel 2015, Last of Us 2, Naughty Dog 2020, and backing music today, this lovely jam, is As I Figure by Kevin McLeod of Latinx 2016. Kevin makes music at Incompetech.com. It's all royalty free and all bloody fantastic, so please check it out. All of our clips and music is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. You can see our website for details. The Isocast is created, presented, edited, and produced by me, Patrick Cullen, at Gingersnap Productions. You can get in touch at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com, all one word. If you would like to, and it would really help me, uh, please get your phone out and like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, tell a friend about this podcast, get the word out. We'll be back next week with a new episode. And in the meantime, folks, be kind to each other, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear your mask and get vaccinated.